0: Today's podcast episode is brought to you by Topical Edge. So what is Topical Edge? It's a cream that you would put on, I put it on my legs being a cyclist, that is going to help with that process that we all know of, that burning that you get in your muscles when your body starts producing that thing called lactic acid. Essentially telling your, mu- your muscles, hey, it's time for us to slow down. Let me tell you folks, as a guy who rides bikes, I race, Uh, and compete and a guy who just looks to perform at a high level I can't tell you how much this product has helped me to be able to train and recover faster and then ultimately to be able to race at a higher level So I recommend, I highly recommend that you guys check it out. If you want to just give it a try and see if it works, I'm telling you that it does. But again, it's better when you experience it versus somebody just telling you. So here's what I'm going to do. Go on to topicaledge.com and type in utmost performance on the gift code and you will get 25% off of a single order or you'll get 30% off a subscription if you want to keep it coming to you. So go check it out. I'm telling you, you will be very happy that you did. And now, on to the podcast interview. Thanks for tuning in
1: to the A Champion's Mind podcast. Today, I've got Kyle King, who was a former collegiate runner. He made a stop at the University of North Texas for a couple of years, then moved on to Baylor. During that time, he was qualified for the NCAA National Championships on a few occasions and moved post-collegiately to run for an organization called Zap Fitness. and. Landed the plane on a good note at the two thousand and eight where he qualified for the Olympic trials in the fifteen hundred and the five thousand meters and now he's been married for a long time and he's got a kid and he is living up in Oklahoma and works for JP Morgan Chase. Kyle, thanks so much for being on the podcast, man.
2: Yeah, no, happy to do this. I'm I'm really really glad that we got connected. It's been a while, man. Good to Absolutely. talk to you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it as well. So Kyle, let's start from the top, man. Just tell us a little bit about your background in sports and kind of how you got to running. If that wasn't your first stop, just kind of walk us through that.
2: Yeah, so I think I have probably a little bit of a unique background. I mean, it's, I, I don't think I was necessarily someone that you would have picked out of a crowd originally when, uh, when you think about competitive distance running. Honestly, my first introduction to running was like an off-season program for basketball, right? Cause, cause I was going to be the, the next shooting guard for Duke University, uh, play basketball there. That, that was kind of my ideal dream, but you know, Honestly, in, in season basketball, the coach would have us run like a couple miles, right? Just kind of for fitness. And, and he noticed like I was constantly winning, uh, and, and constantly finishing first in that. So he told me like, okay, you're going to come out and you're going to run the, I think it was like a 2400 meter race in track season. And, and I just kind of asked him like, why, why am I doing this? Right. I don't, I don't want to be a runner. I don't want to <laughs> do this. And so anyways, I come out and it's actually kind of a funny story, but. You know, my dad, who was a high school football coach at the time, you know, I had gone to him and I had said, like, Dad, can't you, like, tell this coach, like, I don't want to run. Like, this is, not, like, I don't want to do this. I, like, I want to do the high jump in, like, the 400 or something at most. And uh, and he was like, no, son, you need to do what your coach has told you to do. And so, so anyways, fast forward to the trap meet he, he gets there, like, my race had already started. And he gets there and he sees, like, me? And then on the other side of the track, he sees like everybody else, right? And so he gets there. He's like, he's having a low. He like thinks, Oh my goodness. Like here I told him he didn't want to do this initially. Here I've told him like, Oh, I told him to go ahead and you, know, you need to do what your coach has told you to do. And now he's going to be really upset because he's, he's doing awful. And, and so anyways, the, you know, I get to the end of the track and uh, kind of where the start finish line is and I stop, right? And my dad like immediately gets upset. Like he's like, I don't care how bad he's losing. We are not quitters. Like we're not going to quit in the middle of a race. And so he's like going down the track and walking down there. And and one of the one of my coaches for the track team at the time stopped and He's like, "Wow, you know, did you see how Kyle did?" And and uh, he's like, "Yeah, so I'm I'm going to wear him out, you know, that type of thing." And anyways, it's like, "What? No, no, no. He actually won." So <laughs> you know, little did we know. Like, I actually turned out to be pretty decent at track that year in, in distance running, and, and that was kind of like very humble beginnings, right, for from someone that really didn't want to do it initially, kind of did it, turned out to be decent at it, and kind of the rest is history, so to speak.
1: Yeah, basketball is what you want to do, then you're like, okay, man, if this guy is going to make me do something on the track, I guess, like I want to do, you know, a field event, a high jump, and I'll do something short. But your dad's like, no, Uh you're doing this thing. So you go and you do it. He thinks you didn't do very well. You actually ended up winning. But I mean, when that happened, were you still thinking, "Ah, I'm going to be basketball, you know, or "Ah, I'm going to do something shorter than this. I mean, look, I just satisfied you guys by doing this thing. But you understand this is not what I'm going to do. Or were you kind of like, huh, I'm open to this now. Like, let's I don't know. Let's do a little bit more of this and see where it goes. Where were you at at that point?
2: Yeah, I think I always had a desire to play basketball and that and that was all I mean, that took a really long time for running to take priority over basketball. I mean even into high school, some I really I mean, I desperately wanted to be good at basketball. But I think the decision I was, you know, kept with the running aspect because you know, partly because you know, I started kind of because I was good at it, but at the same time like Running is one of those things that kind of grows on you, right? Like you do it for a little bit, you kind of start to enjoy it. You like the feeling you get from it. And more than anything, like I'm a competitor, right? And competition is what I absolutely thrive on. And so being able to do something where I just love the competition. I love the mano mano, the fact that it's like it's like me versus everyone else, right? And I've got I mean, this might sound a little bit selfish, but like I like the fact that I can control how good I am, right? And so sometimes in team sports, team sports are good, but sometimes in team sports, you depend on every other, you know, every other person to also hold up their end of the bargain. And I think just having competed in track and and what, you know, I knew that I was the ultimate determining factor to how good I could be, right? And so part of that just kind of, it kind of morphed into just this love and this desire to still want to stick with it. Right. And still want to do it and still want to compete and do those things. So, you know, I mean, I think that's kind of where, that's where it kind of transitioned where, you know, ultimately by, by high school, you know, I just, I kind of lost, I kind of prefer, you know, I honestly preferred running over any other sport.
1: Yeah. You got drawn in, like you said, you got drawn into the fact that this is on me I have control over myself and myself is the one that's going to be on the result sheet. That's my name versus this is my basketball team. And there's five players on the court at a time. And, you know, we're going to have a score associated with our school and our team, but there were five individuals. And then the other players on the bench, if they got playing time as well, that went into that. And I can't control all those guys. I can only control myself. So yeah, I mean, it sounds like from a young age, you, Kind of understood the dynamic of like performance and it's, Hey, control what you can control. Right. And you were like, that's what drew you to running was the fact that there are uncontrollables in the other competitors. But in terms of like who you are, you're a team of
2: one. Yeah. It was certainly a part of like, I knew the competitive dynamics of the people, like of the people in my high school, right. As well, right. Like I knew that a lot of the best athletes in my grade weren't necessarily some of the strongest competitors, right? So when you think about everything that it takes to be successful, ultimately, I was willing to depend on myself and not necessarily on 10 other people if I was playing football or four other people if I was playing basketball, right? I mean, I just knew that I had a better chance of being successful if I was controlling what I could control.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, You hear the old adage of, like, the coach being like, man, I wish we had 10 more of him. You know, if we had had 10 of him, we'd be awesome. And that's exactly what we're talking about there. It's like you have the one player who... Thinks the right way and does the right things. But then you've got other players that maybe aren't necessarily on the same page. And that's the you know, that's where your dad will probably, you know, chime in on that's where, you know, coaches are ripping their hair out going, man, like, we've got, you know, one guy, we've got a couple of guys that we can maybe build a team around, but we've got a bunch of other guys that are, you know, not not with it as much as those as those individuals are. And that's frustrating. Yeah. Okay. So high school, you jump in. What did high school look like in terms of track and cross country for you? Like what were some of the things maybe that stand out in terms of your high school career in running?
2: You know, I would say when I think back to high school, I think back to basically one person. His name is Aaron Cottrell. He actually was just inducted to our high school uh, sports hall of fame. But I mean, this guy, like you want to talk about people that leave just a lasting impression on you, right? I mean, this guy, he had everything. He just, he had that personality that you wanted to do. You wanted to kind of be like him, right? He was a natural leader. And so I just kind of naturally followed him. I mean, he was also on the track team in in the cross country team. So it kind of helped, right? We had kind of common interests. You know, I just, I think back to just the, the desire then to be successful, to race and compete. And, you know, I think, I think what ultimately drove me in high school was the desire that I wanted to be the best and not just necessarily the number one position. I mean, obviously winning is is great, but running is one of those things like you can constantly strive to be better than you were the day before, and there's a tangible... The actual time that you finish, that's a tangible result, right? That tells you, hey, I was either better than yesterday or, or worse than yesterday. And so constantly driving to be, you know, get better, constantly be better than I was previously. I mean, that's, that's kind of what was driving me. And it, I think just having that work ethic that kind of then translates and produces results, it then kind of starts to feed a cycle that just that starts to feed itself, if that makes sense, right? The work ethic produces results which the results then drive you to have a better work ethic, which then produces even better results. and just kind of start to feed a circle.
1: Yeah. Well, and what is difficult, especially in this culture with, you know, ESPN highlight shows and this, that, and the other is there's a lot of yeah. athletes out there that are doing it the wrong way. They start from the result and then they try and work backwards. And instead, mm-hmm. as you said, It's, hey, like, I want to be like the best version of myself, you know, and if I go out every single day and I just try to be the best version of myself, sure, you know, out there distance, I want to win, right? I mean, obviously, I line up, I want to win, I want to get first place, but... I'm not really obsessing over that. I mean, I know that that's out there, but hey, right in front of me, I've got this thing. Like you said, you know, I'm party of one. I've got this thing in front of me, and I just want to be the best version of myself. And if I can do that every single day, then it's funny how all of a sudden – what I'm not thinking about the result, right? It starts coming to me, it it starts getting closer to me. And I start actually performing at a higher level by not actually thinking about it. You know, it's the whole like, hey, don't think about a pink elephant right now. You know, well, what'd you just think about? You know, it's like, hey, think about the work for the day, think about what needs to get done, do it to the best of your ability. And if you can consistently do that over time, then lo and behold, like those far off things, winning races, you know, qualifying for national championships, qualifying for the Olympic trials, like those things actually get closer and actually become more tangible, but not because you were obsessed over them, but because you were obsessed over the process,
2: right? Right. No, that, I mean, that's I mean, that's spot on, Mario. I mean, the Olympic trials in 2008 started in 1996 when I was getting up at 5.30 in the morning and going and running what I we didn't have cell phones to to light the path, right? To, to flash your screen on so you actually can like see the country road that you're running down. You just <laughs> you literally have like the moon that's your company, and you're you know you're just getting out there and you're just running and praying that a half mile down the road your vision catches up to the night sky, right? So it's literally <laughs> that process of getting up every morning, knowing this is what I need to do today to be better than I was yesterday, and just you then basically link 12, 14 years of that together, and then you got them, right? But yeah, it's, just, it's the process like you're talking about.
0: Yeah,
1: man, you spoiled it for me. Uh, so Kyle's got, Kyle has a math degree, right, that he picked up. But, you know, I was going to say, there are certain moments where I tell the audience, hey, make sure y'all are paying attention. So 2008, when he qualified for the trials minus 1996, that is a period of, 12 years, 12, 12 years. Yeah. Okay. So if you guys were listening and you caught that, that's a 12 year process. That's a long time. Right. And looking back on it, he's thinking to himself, Hey, that's how long that that's when the process actually began. Like, no, I you don't start preparing for the 2008 Olympic trials in 2006. Right. Um right. You, you actually start preparing for it way, 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 way before. Now again, not knowing that you're gonna get to the trials in two thousand and eight, because you didn't you didn't start running and go, Oh yeah, in two thousand eight I'm going to the trials. I mean you're just looking at the hands you got in front of you and going, okay, every single day, best version of myself. And then all of a sudden, oh wow, hey, it's two thousand and four. Man, the, the trials in four in four years, man, I I, I think I can go there. You know, and, and so that's that's awesome, man. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. But high school you were successful in high school, and then it's time to take it, you know, to the collegiate level. What was the transition like going from high school running to collegiate running?
2: I think what when I was looking at colleges, you know, I wanted to select somewhere that that I that I knew I would feel comfortable. Uh, which Greg, you know, Coach Greg was perfect for that. Um, but in terms of like transition, I mean, I think I had built it up in my head. That it was going to be a lot more difficult than it actually turned out to be, right? I mean, I think, I think it's just a constant, it's a constant evolution of, of just who you are, what you desire to be, all of those things. I mean, I, I was anticipating college to be something where it was like, there's going to be like all Americans on the track every single race and it's going to be extremely hard. And it, I mean, it actually turned out to be just, I think it was a constant, like a natural progression, honestly.
1: Yeah. Well, that speaks to the preparation. That speaks to the mindset, right? You know, you're going from high school to college, and a lot of athletes would be like, man, it's about to be a step up. It's about to be harder. Like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do this, right? Like this is going to be something that, you know, maybe I'm going to bite off more than I can chew. Whereas if you have an athlete who's been putting in the work, If you have an athlete who's been invested in the process, like you said, it it should be a natural progression, right? Like after you know after high school, you go to college. Like that's a natural progression. So I'm gonna go there, and yeah, there's gonna be some bumps and bruises and some learning that's got to be done and some growing that's got to be done. But this is how it goes, right? Like I move from Mm -hmm. this environment to this environment, and you know it's just a testament to the work that you had put in before that that transition was. Yeah, guys are faster, you know, guys are stronger, probably, you know, the competitions is deeper, you know, the the fields are deeper, but it's okay, like, I've done the work, and I have a certain confidence that, hey, didn't I do this in high school when I started? Like, wasn't it the same thing? You know, like, wasn't it me? Oh, okay, I'm in high school now, and I'm working my way up the food chain in high school. Isn't it kind of going to be the same thing? And it it is, right? It's just a progression. It's a learning and a growing and a bettering of ourselves, you know, every single day. So let's talk about Coach Greg Slager, right? Is that how you pronounce his name? Yep. Yeah. So at the University of North Texas, right? So you ended up at the University of North Texas. And yeah. so little backstory here. Uh, I ran, I was running Florida International University and University of North Texas and FIU. We were both a member of the Sunbelt Conference. And I remember when I got into college, there was this team you know, UNT, the Mean Green, and these dudes were some bad dudes, you know, like I remember cross country specifically, like these guys were good and these guys were out, you know, these guys were on a hunt and they were out for blood. And, you know, the chemistry from what I saw, you know, from my perspective as a competitor against you guys, I felt like you guys had something really special going on in terms of the guys that you guys lined up on the line, your coach, you guys just seemed like you had a really cohesive unit, and you guys were able to just accomplish some really good things. You guys dominated the Sun Belt, you know, when you were there. Can you talk a little bit about that chemistry and, like, what do you feel was the, like, what was it that that made it kind of that special? Uh, you guys were a wrecking ball, you know.
2: I think back to that team. I mean, the fall—what was it—the fall of 2000, uh, even the fall of 2001. I mean, our our team. I think we just had a common vision, right? Like we just, we all wanted to be good. We all just fed off the vision that we had of being good, being great. We just gelled. Honestly, it was, you know, those few instances in life that you can kind of go back and you can, that you can kind of count in in your head that, okay, these are, these are really truly special moments where this group of people came together and did something great. Right. And that's, that was one of them. I mean, that, that team for those that year and a half was extremely special to be a part of. You know, Matt, Nick Mukashi, Edmund Chapa, like <laughs> that that group of people, man. We we just I don't know, we just gelled with each other really, really well, and we just fed each other, and we just worked hard day by day, and and became successful.
1: Yeah, man, I'm laughing because, you know, I was a little bit envious of what you guys had. I mean, I was over there, you know, at FIU and I'm looking at you guys and I'm like, man, these guys are like, you know, they're just crushing people. And you guys were having fun doing it. But I ended up at the University of North Texas to get my master's degree and, you know, Matt... Matt Geringer ended up being one of my best friends, still is, and I got a little bit of a peek into what you guys were doing, right? And like how you guys would train and what coach Greg had you guys doing and, and how you guys were, you guys had high standards for not only yourselves, but you were like, hey dude, like you're on our team, you know, you're going to wear our jersey, like let's go. And right. you know, you guys just had this no man left behind kind of mentality and it just raised the individual performances, you guys were able to perform at a higher level individually. And then cohesively as a unit, you guys were able to do some of that. So that was just really, really neat to watch and to see.
2: Yeah, we all just kind of knew like, okay, I'm holding up my end of the bargain as part of this team. Like my expectation is that you're also holding up your end of the bargain, right? And so it was a really, really cool thing uh, that when it kind of happened and we all just had kind of the light mentality, uh, it was really cool.
1: Yeah, from the University of North Texas you were there for a couple of years, right? And then you yep. transferred over to Baylor University. And so what was that transition like? And was there again, you know, you said going from high school to college you were like, "Ah, eh, you know, it felt like a natural progression." Now you're moving conferences, you're going from the Sun Belt Conference, which was one of the it's not a major conference. Big 12 is a major conference, right? right? Was there right. like a shift in mindset there? Did that feel like a natural
2: progression? Honestly I think how I've always approached it is I've always tried to just focus on the things that I can control right and I've been less focused on necessarily the the level of competition or just how daunting something may be I mean in some respects just my personality the more daunting it is the more that you know someone tells me I can't do something the more I just like set my chin and I just like, well, I'm going to prove you wrong type mentality. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, think when I was transferring schools, you know, the big 12 was certainly a power conference, but I think I just, I just was looking for the spot that would, that would fit me the best and the spot that I could add value to the team, that I could be a part of a team that, that would be successful and that had a common work ethic, but at the same time, I wasn't necessarily focused on how challenging the Big 12 conference may be to compete in or things like that. My my mentality going in was just that, hey, listen, this is a process that I'm on. I'm going to continue doing what I do every single day, right? I'm going to just be a function of the process. And then, you know, ideally... If I up the level of the talent level that I'm training with on a daily basis, if I up the level the, the talent level I'm keep uh, that I'm competing against, then you know it'll translate into better results for me and better success for me. So I don't know that I was necessarily focused on that right when I transferred. I was more focusing on the, the spot and, and making sure I was in the right situation. But that was kind of a good a good byproduct of, of transferring to Baylor. Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, and there's a takeaway here that I think that we should bring out. Good point to make it at, at this point in the interview is like it sounds to me and the listeners picking up on this as well. It sounds to me like you just had a mindset that was you were good at at not being distracted by the shiny objects. Right. So not being distracted by the external things like. Oh, yeah, I'm going from, you know, high school to college. Okay. Well, that could be a distraction. Nope. Don't, don't let it distract me. No, we're just, we're just, that's a natural progression, right? Oh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm at the University of North Texas and I'm transferring to Baylor. Well, this is a change in conference. This is a change in competition. Nope. Those things are shiny objects. Like, let me not focus on those things. Like, I'm looking for a place that fits me, right? So that's my focus. Oh, cool. Baylor fits me. I'm going to go there, right? Um, and then what will be, will be, yeah, sure. Maybe the guys are faster you know, maybe the teammates that I'm training with are faster. Oh, wow, great. Here's an opportunity for me to get faster, right? So not necessarily saying, like, it's almost as if, like, your training partners and your competition getting faster, you tie a rope around their waist, and they're just going to pull you to be faster. And, you know, looking at your progression over your career, right, That's exactly what happened. I mean, I was reading up on you, and it's like your times got faster when you went to Baylor, which is, again, it it should be the natural progression, right? More time involved in the craft, more days involved in the process. We should see improvement, in this case, in your times, right, which we did. Which leads me to this point, though, like not getting distracted by shiny objects. Qualifying for the NCAA, you know, nationals is a big deal, right? And you qualified right. in quite a few events. Like you got to Baylor, and it was like y- you were there, man. So
2: yeah, that's a yeah. shiny
1: object. Like was there mounting pressure again? Like we were talking about as you're involved in the process, and then all of a sudden you take a peek up the road and you go, "Whoa, wait a minute! NCAA championships! Like whoa, I- I've got a chance to go there!" Like yeah, did you feel mounting pressure with that?
2: Gosh, I mean, I think. If- I didn't, I don't think I necessarily felt external pressure. I felt more internal pressure, right, to perform well when I get to those events and when I qualify for those events. But that's part of just the drive to be successful, right? I mean, if you a successful person is typically driven to be successful internally more than externally. Because a lot of times, like you said, the external factors are just shiny objects that, that maybe motivate you in a season, but they're not lasting. And so, you know, when I would get to nationals, I want to say, well, let me back up. The first time that I qualified for nationals, it was a little bit of a happenstance, right? It was cross-country, I think, my junior year. And it turns out, like, a couple of teams got in on at-large bids, which push the automatic individual spots down some spots. So, you know, I happened to qualify. But I think after that point... I was motivated to try to qualify on an individual basis, but that motivation came internally, right? And wanting to be successful and knowing, okay, hey, I've got, like, I've got some opportunity here, right? Like, I've had some opportunities that, that not everybody has, whether it's to, to be in good races and to be in, in elite races where typically, you know, fast times happen. Let's capitalize on those. Let's take advantage of the opportunities I've, I've got. And that kind of breeds into more, you know, kind of additional opportunities to compete at nationals, you know, school record in the 5,000, kind of all of those things. Right. I mean, it's, you know, I was, was afforded the opportunity to compete in the 5,000 race that I set the Baylor school record in by being, you know, by having been a national qualifier in some races. So, I mean, it kind of, Things start to breed each other, and it's really just a function of you know the hard work kind of pays off. You kind of get lucky, frankly. You get qualified for for NCAA cross. You can then kind of use that sum to to get into some races where you start running faster, just as a function of the hard work combined with opportunity, right? I mean, luck is basically when hard work meets opportunity. That's luck, right? So it's kind of I was lucky, but that's a mixture of. The hard work I put in mixed with the opportunity of getting me into fast races and then and then kind of having that uh, kind of breed itself. So hopefully that makes sense.
1: Well, I've got a couple of points to make. I mean, yeah, so you finished – again, because I did some research. You finished 17th in that race in cross country that got you to nationals, right? So, you know, the teams that ahead of you that that went, they took some spots. And so we went all the way down to 17th to qualify you to nationals. And people would right. say, well – You know, he qualified to nationals, man, but he got 17th. I mean, he was barely in the top 20 and he's going to go to an NCAA championships. Right. And this is where we talk about luck. And this is where we talk about the uncontrollables. We're not going to focus on those uncontrollables. But, you know, what we do need to focus on. Guess what? If you don't do the work necessary and you finish 21st, I don't care how many at large teams go. You don't go. Right. So people are like, oh, he got lucky. Well, let me tell you, in order for you to capitalize on the luck, you've actually got to be in the position to take advantage of it. Right. Because if you put in the work necessary, but you only get 30th, well, then it it, do, it doesn't matter that 17th went because you didn't get 17th. Right. So, you know, there's that point to make. And again, you know, we don't focus on things. We don't focus on the chips falling our way on the day of competition. But let's face it, it's nice when they do because, let's face it, on the other side of the tracks, a lot of times they don't, right? So, hey, I'm not going to turn down a day when it's sunny and the weather's perfect to go outside, right? Because I know that there's rainy days when I'm not going to be able to do that. So why would I sit inside during a sunny day and tell myself, well, it's going to rain tomorrow, so why would I even do that? So, you know, you take advantage of what you can.
2: Real quick, Mario, I can remember in that race when I finished 17, I can remember out kicking someone in the last 100 meters, right? And kind of midway through that, thinking like, dude, I'm like, I'm gonna finish like 17th. Like, what does it matter? Like, this guy's kind of pulling up. I'm not even like, you know, why am I trying so hard, right? And then it was kind of just fortuitous that that literally was the spot that I qualified by, right? So it's just kind of funny how things work that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. That's every point counts, man. Cross yeah. country, every point counts, you know. Yeah. But for those of you that are listening, that are running aficionados Kyle talked about basically talked about gratitude. He basically talked about, Hey, you know what, man, I've been given the opportunity to run for this school to, to run against these guys in these meets. Right. I I mean, I'm just, I'm thankful for the opportunity to do these things.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So the godfather of American distance running, right? Steve Prefontaine, he had a quote, didn't he? That said to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. Right. And so, Part of performing at a high level for anybody is recognizing, hey, you know what? Like, I have the ability to do something and be somebody special. Like, let me not waste this. Let me actually capitalize on this because, you know what? Not everybody got to run for Baylor. You know what? I ran for a long time. I never qualified for an NCAA national championship, right? So, you know what? If, if you have the opportunity to do something like that, hey, don't waste it. I mean, kind of in a way, in a sense, like, for those of us that that didn't get to go, like go for us, you know, and that's why you have fans, right? That's why people are like, oh man, I'm I'm cheering you on, I'm following your career, you know, this and that, because, right? Like, mm-hmm. do, do you know? And, and so uh that quote came to mind, you know. And for those of you that are into running, Steve Prefontaine, right? Just, uh yeah. you know, just one of the legends in uh, in American distance running. But Kyle. You ran in college and and you made it to some national championships stuff like that. You kept the party going after college, right? You linked up with a team called Zap Fitness, right? Can you kind of walk us through like what that looked like and what you were like? You were still obviously motivated. You were like, man, there's still more left in the tank, right? So kind of walk us through that experience.
2: Yeah, so I can I can remember when I was a senior. I basically graduated in May. uh, Still kept you know nationals wasn't until like in middle of, end of June or something like that. And it was actually during that time when uh, I found out I had actually qualified for a master's scholarship from the Big 12 conference, right? So I could I could basically stay in the school there at Baylor, kind of utilize that scholarship for graduate school, or give that up and basically move on and, and try my hand at professional running and a little bit of a prisoner of the moment, I guess. But you know, really knew that, I mean, I'd already made up my mind. I mean, I wasn't going to stop running because I had, I had finished fifth at nationals and, and basically decided, you know, I, I can't, I don't want to get to where I'm 40 and look back and, and ask myself, okay, what, what could I have achieved? What could I have done? Right. Like if I, if I gave my, you know, best effort at running and, and trying this thing out. There's no telling what I could achieve. Uh, now on the other end of that, I'm very thankful for what I did and, and the, never would have, even going back now, I wouldn't make a different decision. I'd still make the same decision. It was a great decision for me getting that type of experience, that type of opportunity, just the life experiences. I mean, I can't tell you how many times now, literally just the fact that I can, you know, I tell people in my career and in my job, like, you know, hey, I, I broke four minutes and a mile. I competed in the Olympic trials. Like, just people connect with that, right? And it allows me to create relationships with people that I can talk to them, and it's less um, it's less career motivated and it's more connecting on a personal level with people because everybody desires to be a better form of themselves. It doesn't matter what area that is, right? I mean, you can be someone in the business world that just goes to yoga every day and you're just trying to be a better person every day. You're still going to connect with that person. So anyways, I mean, that's, that's a long and that's probably off topic, frankly, uh, from what you were driving at. But, you know, basically knew that I wanted to do something beyond college. And I knew that I had the opportunity to join Zap Fitness. And so I just, I just went after it, man. Jumped off here and head first, both feet, everything.
1: That's it. No, not, not off topic at all, right? There's a couple of points there that we can tease out. Like I, the first point is you knew you weren't done. Yeah. And you got to yourself, like, I can still improve. There's still something that I can get better at. You know, my best is still out there. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for that because I think a lot of times folks look at athletes and think to themselves, like, why would that guy keep going? You know, why doesn't that person just retire? Like, why doesn't that person hang, you know, hang him up? And Sometimes their best performances, quote, their quote unquote best performances may, may have been behind them in terms of their time or in terms of I don't know why I'm thinking about, you know, Emmett Smith and the fact that like his last couple of years with the Cardinals like weren't the best years. And like, oh, you know, why didn't he just retire before that? And right. people, you know, don't understand, like people that are successful, people that are looking to be a better version of themselves every single day. There's always something to work on, always, right? There's always something you can do better. And it isn't necessarily always going to show up on the clock with a faster time, right? Because let's face it, we get older, we get slower. I mean, that's just how it goes. But what you're not seeing inside of that individual is that individual is still pushing themselves just as hard as they did when they were young and in college or in high school. It just doesn't show up on the clock. So, you know, you were thinking to yourself like, "Hey, I I'm not done yet. Like I want to keep this thing going. Like let's just keep this party going," you know? And and to me like it took a lot of courage for you to turn down a master's degree, right? And and I watched the video on YouTube where you talk about that, like I I turned down a degree for this thing. And then, man, I'm rubbing two pennies together to try and get my way to races and try and be able to eat while I'm training for these races and do all of these things like finances. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to make this thing work with no money. Right. And so you got really uncomfortable during that time. So now fast forwarding to your job as a banker, to being a husband, to being a dad, you're looking at that time. You're going, Oh man, if I can do that, I mean, come on. Uh, Like what do I got to be afraid of? You know, like, I'm sitting here eating, you know, beans and rice, not wondering, you know, how I'm going to make it to this next race. But, hey, I, I kind of I was able to do it. And so now what are you going to throw at me that I can't do? Right.
2: Yeah. Now, I I learned just what it is to have an incredible work ethic. Right. And to to understand the power of having like a vision. Right. And having something that you're going after with not just like not just half assed and not just like, with 50%, but you're like 110% in. You're going after it with everything. You're fully committed, right? And you're saying, this is what I'm going after. This is what I'm driving after. And it doesn't matter what we have to temporarily sacrifice to get there, but it's a matter of this is what I'm going after. And it's more about the vision of what you're driving after as opposed to kind of, because all the other things that I viewed, I mean, those are, those are all kind of temporary things that I have to give up maybe to try to achieve something that's meaningful and something that that is a vision that I have for my life, right?
1: Well, and then let's not skip over this fact. Like, as we sit here and as we talk about it now, and you probably can think back on what your life looked like back then, like, given your circumstances, you weren't supposed to qualify for the Olympic trials in 2008. Are you kidding me? You're not eating the right food. You don't have money. Like, you don't have any, you know, you have very little support. Like, dude, you're not supposed to make it, right? But wait a minute. Those are shiny objects, not having money. That's a distraction. Like not eating right. Sometimes like that's a distraction, right? You had such a powerful vision Mm -hmm. that you're sitting there like walking the plank, you know, and like, you don't even recognize that like you're about to maybe fall off and there's alligators underneath you that are ready to eat you. Like you were so invested in the process that you can't even see, Hey dude, actually like the chips are pretty well stacked against you right now. But again, when you're invested in the process, you're not concerned about that. You're just thinking to yourself, dude, I am going to put this thing in a headlock and it's going to happen. And lo and behold, it did for you, right? Yeah. Um, so it's just pretty cool how that works.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I was told something. This is a quote that always stood with me. You know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And that's always stuck with me. I mean, I was I came from a family where my father was an offensive lineman in football my cousin was an offensive lineman in football. My, my, another cousin was an offensive lineman in football. I mean, literally like my, you know, my brother was like a safety in football. I mean, we're talking about like really big guys, right? Really big genetics, like does not conducive for distance running in any shape, you know, way, shape or form. But it was the fact that I worked hard to achieve something that i you know i found that i surpassed a lot of other people that maybe had the right genetics and they they had the right bone structure and they had the right frame and they had all those they had all those other things right that i mean that's kind of shiny objects like you're talking about mario i mean it's just those are all the other things that maybe distract you like okay you've got the right genetics you've got the right frame you've got the right do2 you've got the right uh whatever i just didn't get distracted with that i just set my mind to, to work hard and go after it
1: dude so I I just thought about this and correct me if I'm wrong but I think I remember you would collapse after like every single race wouldn't you
2: <laughs> yeah man that it, okay it, it took me so long to like get get to where I wasn't doing that
1: yeah okay I was well no I mean I'm not saying that as a as a bad thing I'm just yeah. saying like you knew what was waiting for you when you crossed the line. And it was like a body that couldn't support you anymore in complete exhaustion. And you kept going there. That's hard work, man. It's hard work to get yourself there. Like, and then it's another thing altogether to accept that that's going to be your fate when you cross the line and still go, oh, but I'm still going to take myself there.
2: Yeah. Right? I mean, um, it's, it's so funny that like I would run races and literally like, You know, you'd have a thought where like it's 600 meters to go and you can just, I mean, I could tell, I got to where I could tell just based on the, you know, clearly enough oxygen wasn't like getting to my brain. It's not a healthy thing probably, right? But I was, I could tell, okay, I'm at this level of exhaustion. I can tell if I, if I sprint to finish this. Like there's a hundred percent guarantee I'm gonna collapse at the end of this race, and uh you know I'd still be like well but but what is it what is it gonna to take to me for me to finish the the uh, the highest in the race or to to be the best or whatever and I would do it every every time every time I would always do it. And I'd collapse, and it got to where, like, at Baylor, literally the the trainer would be, like, waiting for me, like, right after the finish line, because he was going to be picking me up. Anyways, crazy.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I don't know why that just flashed into my mind, like, an image of you just, like, you know, collapsing, uh, because I I thought it was you. So, uh, yeah, crazy. Bringing up old memories, man. This is (laughs) fun. So, I got a couple more questions for you, man. If older, wiser Kyle could give younger, not as wise Kyle some advice, what would you tell yourself? Hmm.
2: Gosh, man, that's a that's a great question. There were times maybe that I just didn't you maybe ask why. Or you maybe ask like what am I doing this for? Or, you know, you constantly like at times you have doubt, right? Like, okay, literally like everybody else like why am i so committed to this why am i so diligent with this why do i have the you know why am i doing this when when other people are what's the point type of thing right and i think just having faith right and just having kind of that don't doubt yourself is probably the the biggest thing i mean i'm just being candid i mean I, i'm i'm one i probably suffer from a little bit of self-esteem uh at times right i just i'm constantly doubting myself i'm uh self-doubt is kind of a big issue I have, to, I have to get over. And so just telling myself, hey, don't doubt yourself, keep doing it, keep grinding, keep doing what you're doing, because uh, it's going to pay off, right? I mean, it typically always does. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing that I would tell myself. You know, there's no substitute for hard work, right? I mean, a lot of people look at, well, here's the latest gadget, right? Here's the latest... Here's the latest thing to be to be good at distance running, or to you know, it's the uh, the anti-gravity treadmills, right? Or it's the it's the underwater treadmills, right? Or it's the altitude tents, or it's the you know, you name it. There's there's a gadget for it, and I would just say just continue to be diligent, right? I mean, just continue to work hard and, and don't doubt yourself and just know that if you continue doing every day what you need to be doing, at the end of the day, 12 years later, right, you'll still be successful. You'll be farther than you ever dreamed you could be, right? I mean, in high school, I never would have thought, like, I'd be lining up in two events at the Olympic trials and 40,000 people in the stands and and kind of that type of environment. I, I, mean, it's, I never would have dreamed it, right? So just continuing to not doubt yourself, do what you know to do every single day, stay with it, man.
1: Yeah, awesome advice, man. That's good stuff.
2: You're the expert. Kind of a fun question to ask you here, yeah. like, is there a such thing as a runner's high?
1: And if there is, can you explain it if you've experienced it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say there's a runner's high. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, it's just. I think back to these times, I mean, more now so when I'm I'm not running as much, right? But there's just, man, there was just something to, like, being able to go out and run 15 miles and just the feeling of being able to do that. You know, when I was my fittest, it was just, I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, being able to just go to know you could go and run for two hours at, like, six minutes per mile, and still, like, still be alive at the end, right? That's, that's just, <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, like, I can think some of my greatest moments, uh, in fact, I'll tell just a quick story. One of my greatest moments, right? It's, it's Super Bowl Sunday, right? So it's like early February. It's cold. It's like 7 PM. So it's dark. And in Tulsa, we've got this riverside trail that I knew it, it, from our, from where we were living at the time. It go, it went like ten miles north, and so you could go out as far as you wanted, and then come back. And and yeah, I mean, I can remember literally like turning the Super Bowl on, watching like the first six or seven minutes of the game, deciding, all right, I'm gonna go run, I'm gonna go do my long run, right, because it's a Sunday. And literally going out on the Riverside, and I'm running out, I just, I'm gonna do an out and back. I think I ran like 19 miles that night. The best running ever because literally nobody was on the streets. Everybody was in, in some house watching the Super Bowl. No traffic. And it was just an unbelievable feeling, right? Like you're running along this trail that kind of borders a major street. I mean, it's enjoyable. I mean, just six minutes per mile, clipping it off. And just one of the, the – it's a feeling that I wish I could get at times now. Uh, I just don't have the time to devote to running like I used to. But, yeah, I mean, the runners high, absolutely, man. Like, just, it's like a natural form of speed, I guarantee you. I've never had, I've never done drugs, so don't get me wrong, I can, I've never done any of that. But if I was to take drugs, I would imagine that that's probably what it would feel like. Yeah, being
1: in cycling now, one of the things that I miss is there's nothing like covering ground with two feet, and that's yeah. it. You got a pair of shoes. You got a pair of shoes on. Right. Here are your legs. You know, here are your lungs. Okay. Get from here to there. And I did it all with myself. And I didn't have a machine that, you know, bicycle, you know, nowadays what I, I I didn't have that. I just did it. It was, it's the purest thing you can do, you know? So yeah, for sure, man. Well, transitioning, I mean, you say you don't have, you don't have the time that you used to have, right? To be able to do these kinds of runs and, you know, the kind of training that you did back then. Because obviously, you know, you've you've been a husband now for a while. You're a father, right? You've got a steady job. But, you know, knowing you as a personal friend, like, I would say that you are an elite husband and dad, right? Like, you do a good job at those things, you know, and you're an elite employee of the company that you work for, right? So how did the things that you learned in your running, how did those things help you to just, you basically went from being an elite runner but you're still elite, but you're just elite at something else, right? So I, there's a crossover there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, i'll I'll start with I'll start with my career and and kind of move up and up in priority because I, I view my husband and, and father role as kind of certainly more priority than than my career. But you know, I think it's just understanding you know where I'm at today in the company won't be where I'm at a year from now or five years from now or, or wherever, and it's just. I tell people all the time, I try to execute the best I can, what I'm asked to do on that day, every single day, right? And it's it's to do the, the best job that I can. I mean, there's a scripture, right, that you work for God, not for people. Basically, I'm paraphrasing, but work as unto the Lord and not a, not as unto man. And so, you know, I just try to do that, right, and recognize that if I give my 100% and I do everything that I can, that God will take care of the rest, and he always does, and he always, you know, he always blesses the effort that I put forth. And so it's just kind of trying to do that, right? And then being able to have time to prioritize for my wife and kids, and, and being a husband, being a father, and, and doing the best that I can at that. I mean, you know, sometimes I think it's, as a husband or a father, we, you probably tell me as well, but You feel inadequate at times, right, because it it stretches you in ways you never thought you'd be stretched, right? And so, you know, there's times that I feel inadequate, but, you know, I still try to be a great husband and try to love my wife with all my heart and do everything I can to support her and and provide for her and, and Kind of take care of her and, and provide for all her dreams, while at the same time trying to raise two beautiful girls and, and give them like everything that they try to give them everything that that I want them to have the the opportunity and the the ability to do uh, that I never did. And so I don't know. I mean, it's interesting now applying the same things, you know, the same work ethic the same uh just diligence determination right daily daily determination that I did in that I did in running and now apply that to sc- uh, to my career and to my daily life you know it's just it's being diligent knowing hey this is what I need to do every day and this is what I want to do every day and and trying to do that to the best of my ability i mean I, hopefully that makes sense
1: yeah you know as you're telling this you know what i thought about this is a natural progression right? Like you just mentioned like Super Bowl Sunday doing a 20 mile run, you know, at six minute pace and that being awesome and effortless, but it was still obviously some effort needed to be put forth. Yeah. Guess what? Natural progression is then you become a husband and guess what? Like that's better than any 20 mile run at six minute pace, but it's a step up. It's going to be more difficult than a 20 mile run at six minute pace. And then you go, okay, cool. So I've got a new bar for like, what's going to be difficult and and the effort that I'm going to need to put forth to make this marriage successful. And then you have kids and then you go, okay, this is natural <laughs> progression. Like being married is, is difficult, right? And it's very yeah. rewarding, but it's got its difficulties and its challenges. And I need to work hard at that. And then you have kids and go, okay, right. being married, you know, is like, you know maybe a little bit easier than having kids and and now needing to care for other lives and uh, raising them the right way and instilling values in them and stuff so it's like yeah you know not to get too philosophical but it just kind of it just kind of ramps up a little slowly but surely and and the harder the things are that's okay like we embrace them because we know that yeah. they're more rewarding they're harder but they're more rewarding as well right oh, and man.
2: so so true so true like literally there's nothing like raising two girls right and knowing like they are a product of me that's like one of the most unbelievable things you know just knowing that they are you know literally you're like shaping two people two destinies right and everything they're going to achieve in life i mean that's i don't know it's crazy it's crazy when i think about that stuff like that like knowing that okay now my my work ethic you know, if I do it right and, and God blesses it, it kind of shapes their work ethic, right? And then it's it's not just one person's work ethic, work ethic, but now it's two people's work ethic, you know, both of them. I mean, it's just I don't know, it's crazy to think about.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. But you're right; it is an absolute blessing. So, last question I got for you, Kyle. Like, yeah, man, do you run these days? And and if you do, like, how does it look the same or different than it was, you know, or both uh, yeah. than when you were competing?
2: Yeah, oh man, I, I mean, honestly, I wish I ran more, uh, just from a, I think just an, I miss the natural stress relief. It kind of goes back to that question on runner's high, right? Like, I miss the stress relief, uh, that just comes via stress, uh, fr- from running, sorry. You know, I don't get to run as, as much as I used to. I'm probably three to four days a week, if I had to guess uh now it's probably you know I'm the typical runner's world person where i'm running on' three to four days a week i'm thirty minutes a day when i'm running type of type of thing right and and i think I think what i've what I can appreciate about that now is you know just life is so much different than I than it used to be for me right I mean I've got a career and I've got I've got a family and I've got a wife and and so you know running isn't necessarily top priority for me anymore uh it's still a stress relief when I can get the opportunity to go and do it but it's just I wish I had more time probably uh, to do it I don't know that I would I don't know that I would ever do it to the same degree that I used to just because I've got, you know, I think what I'm, honestly, what I'm most diligent about now is is just making sure that I've got the work ethic for my career and providing for my family, you know, because I view that as my godly responsibility is to provide for my wife and kids. But, but, you know, it's still something where it would be it would be enjoyable to do, but I don't know that it would take the same priority in, in, in yeah. any time. Yeah.
1: Well, and just talking about, you know, just talking about life like we did, you know, in the previous question. It's just it's that that spot has been filled with something else and it's something that's worthwhile to you. Right. So therefore, doing less running so that you have more time to do some of these other things that are worth it to you is okay, And it sits well with you. Right. And, you know, there may be a little bit of that. Oh, man, I, I wish I had a little bit more time to do that. But at the same time, hey, you know, it's OK, you know, a few times, three, four times, 30 minutes, you know, that that's all right. Because instead of going and doing two hours, hey, that just freed up an hour and a half. OK, cool. I can spend more time with my wife and kids. Right. right. And so and that is worth it for me. So, yeah, I mean,
2: I think um, there I every and all the time I, view, I think God works just through process. Right. And so my diligence, my work ethic in high school allowed me to become successful, to be. Uh, to get a college scholarship, right? And so I then go to college at UNT and kind of had a great coach there and Gr- coach Greg that allowed me that, you know, God knew that, okay, when coach Greg leaves, Kyle, you're going to have had the opportunity to be successful that you can then transfer and have that opportunity to transfer to the big 12, right. And to Baylor and then at Baylor a little bit, you know, little mention most people, but, we had a friend that actually knew about Zap Fitness, so she kind of kind of put us in touch with the coaches out there in Zap Fitness, and that so that then led us to Zap Fitness, and then Zap Fitness kind of competed professionally, Olympic trials, all that stuff. Well, it allowed for me to have kind of these these connections. Now, I mean, I still kind of reference that whenever I'm in my career and when I'm talking with people in businesses that I, that we bank with, and, and all of those things. I mean, it's. It's really crazy to me, Mario, how things have kind of constantly built upon what was previous in my life, right? And just how things kind of trans uh, transition. And so just because I'm not necessarily running every day anymore doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of times in my life where I'm kind of relying on that period of my life to make connections with people I'm I'm relating because it just it's building relationships with people that, that I have uh that I have relationships with so
1: absolutely yeah as we become older and we become wiser we start figuring out that hey there's these pieces kind of fit into a puzzle somehow.
0: Yeah. Right? And
1: sometimes we can't see that but again, you know hindsight is twenty twenty and if we have the if we have the self awareness to look, we begin to realize that you know there was a plan in place by somebody higher than ourselves and uh and he's always working so yeah man Kyle thank you so much for your time this was great just getting to catch up with you myself on a personal level and for those folks that were listening i mean this was a fantastic episode that just shed a lot of light on uh on just what it takes to perform at a consistently high level and kind of how you know you can see the connection between the fact that Kyle's just a normal guy that just worked really, really hard and was intensely focused, and you know that you can see the same for yourself, right? So, Kyle, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Mario. Happy to do it, and, and really, it's good catching up with you, man. It's been it's been a while.
1: Awesome, brother. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch up soon, man. Thank you
0: so much.
2: Thanks, Mario. All right,
0: bye bye. I hope that you guys enjoyed that interview with Kyle King. Just a Really awesome conversation, honestly, obviously, as you can tell, one of my friends, but just a lot of good insight in there, and a lot of uh, real talk about what the journey is, and the struggles within it, and the victories within it. Anyhow, uh, i take this time to uh, ask you guys a favor. If you guys would jump on to wherever you're getting this podcast from, and just go ahead and rate the podcast, I would really appreciate it. It would help get this out to more people, share it, talk about it. Let people know when they ask you what podcast you listen to. Drop a champion's mind in there for me and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you soon.